0: all right guys welcome in to today's episode of the Southeast 2 podcast. It is Wednesday September the 20th, 2017 and if I sound a little bit different, which I can't tell listening back on my end, if I sound a little bit different, uh, I have been very busy the past week uh moving and all that stuff so i'm getting my my new setup here uh so if i sound a little bit different if there's more of an echo uh we'll work on that here over the next couple of weeks but for now on today's episode really just wanted to kind of talk about uh, you know I, I talked about Athlon Sports coming out with their preseason magazine not too long ago i was excited to to have the opportunity to write the Auburn preview for for Athlon Sports and have some input on the SEC section um and then you know obviously blue ribbon yearbook will be coming out very soon as well in october that is kind of you know a very very great resource uh for college basketball fans if you've never kind of bought the blue ribbon yearbook if you're someone like myself that kind of you know lives and breathes this kind of stuff you're going to want to have your hands on the blue ribbon yearbook because it's simply outstanding and in terms of the depth uh you know it's hard for for magazines to kind of match that because of limits and all that stuff but The Blue Ribbon Yearbook is, of course, just a wonderful publication. Uh, Chris Dorch, who we've had on the Marching to Madness podcast here this offseason, and we will probably have him here on the Southeast Hoops podcast at some point this upcoming season. Uh, He does a great job there, and they continue to do awesome work. But today we're going to talk about one of the other ones that always comes out this time of year, and that is Lindy Sports. Uh, They've been doing this for a long time now, and they have now put out their college basketball preview. I managed to pick this up. Uh, Here over the weekend, while I was in the busyness of all the moving, and uh, a couple things caught my eye. Now, you know, we talked about Athlon, we talked about all the preseason rankings that have come out uh, at various places, ESPN, CBS, all those places where you've had different people doing their their power rankings in the preseason for the SEC. And so we've we've always gone through, talked about that, kind of compared. uh, And while, you know, I think with this, I'm not going to go through the entire thing, which we will at some point. But for today, there are two particular rankings that caught my eye um, within Lindy's. And I think let's start with you know the number three team. And the number three team in, in Lindy's magazine is Georgia. Now, if you look around at a lot of other preseason rankings, and if you go back and read a lot of my stuff this offseason, I think you've pretty much gathered that Georgia is a team that I could probably be picked anywhere from from 7 to 13, and that's not being sort of a knock on anyone. However, when you think about what Georgia lost, they lost J.J. Frazier, who was not only one of the most dynamic playmakers that they've had there in a long time, uh, but he was one of the most versatile kind of playmaking guards in the entire country. They lose him off of last season's team. They do get the, the benefit, of course, of getting Yante Mayton back. Weren't sure if he would come back, uh, if he would go to the NBA, stay in the draft. He comes back. Now, that's where I'm of the opinion, as of right now, that it's hard for me to put Georgia very, very low, just because I don't see a team that has Yante Mayton on it finishing that low. However, back to the first point, uh, the biggest word we've kept kind of hitting on this offseason is depth. And in the SEC, you're going to have to have depth at a lot of positions to be able to be in that upper tier, uh, you know, the top four, top five. And right now on paper, I don't know if Georgia has the kind of depth that you need to stay uh, towards the top. And so a number three ranking to me in the preseason uh, is probably a bit high for Georgia because I just don't know if there's enough depth, especially when we talk about you know, that that loss of Frazier. Now, look, they do have some guys there that if they all kind of come together by committee and they all show improvement, which they could do, because, look, we're talking about guys, you know, like Tyree Crump, uh, there's guys like Jordan Harris, Chawan Parker, those kind of guys, this is their time to step up. And the good sort of problem, I think, to have, if you're Mark Fox is you have a guy like Parker, who's a senior, he has that leadership aspect, uh, you know, almost averaged 10 points a game last year, And then you have guys like, you know, Jordan Harris, uh, Tyree Crump, like we mentioned, these sophomore guys that have a potential to kind of break out now after having a year of experience under their belt and being able to push the Bulldogs forward, you know, into that upper half for the SEC. Um, And so that's kind of when I look at Georgia, and look, let's talk about the front court real quick. Yes, they have Maton, but let's not forget about a guy that I've been talking about as well for for a while now, and that's Derek Agbede. Uh, who's someone that's kind of probably set up to be kind of a double-double machine this year. And I think, you know, we talked to Mark Fox this offseason, and and Agbede's individual offensive development is going to be the most important part there to kind of see how he continues to develop offensively. had a great game last year. He had several great games last year, but when we talk about that Kentucky game, uh, you know, that, that kind of showed what he could do last year and have a chance to really break out. Um, and so front court's not an issue, but that back court losing someone like Frazier, are they going to be able to have someone there that can get the ball where it needs to go? Uh, because look, we look back at last year, and the expectations kind of were this—you know, this top five SEC kind of ranking last year, um, because they had Frazier and mate and we thought that combination, and then the guys around them—you know, the guys we just mentioned like Parker, Ogbede, those kind of guys would help push this team forward it didn't happen we all know what the injury situation was for mate late in the season so now without Frazier how do you move forward and can you have that same type of play ability in the backcourt because you're gonna have to if you're gonna want to win in the SEC this year because we keep talking about that depth in the backcourt all the way around and we're about to talk about another team that has that depth in the backcourt but doesn't exactly have it in the frontcourt But there are so many different teams when we look around the league that have possibly four, maybe even five guards that they can turn to and put on the floor and kind of interchange. And so that's where we kind of have to wait and see on Georgia, I think. Uh, Like I said, to me, this is too high, but this is one person's opinion uh, because I want to see how that that trio of guards like we talked about, the guys of Harris, Parker, Crumb, how that trio kind of pushes forward, how they've developed – and can they offer that same type of playmaking ability to where if, if guys are focused in on maton, which they are going to be, can there be somebody in that backcourt every single night that can go out and really make an impact and be a playmaker? Uh, because that's what Frazier did last year. And when you had that one-two punch, uh, you know, it seems like they still kind of struggled to get over the hump. Are they going to be able to do that this year? That's what we're going to wait and find out. Now, moving to the other thing that caught my eye, uh, within the, the preseason rankings here, and that is Ole Miss at twelve. I just think that's too low. I don't think the Rebels are going to be that kind of team that that's going to finish near the bottom. Now, what I will say is, and it's a very good point brought up in the magazine, is that that seven to twelve, possibly thirteen, uh, spot in the SEC. You know, there's going to be very very close race there. I mean, you're talking about you know you could be a game or two away from being you know, 12th, or you could be a game or two away from being 6th. Um, that's just kind of the season it's going to be, and we've mentioned that so many times now in that sort of the competitiveness from top to bottom. So you don't really know, and there's very little room for error. You know, One day you could be 7th, one day you could be all the way in 13th. You don't really know uh, based on how this season is going to go. However, with Ole Miss, I just think that there is a little bit too much uh, talent there especially in that backcourt I just you know I would put that backcourt up against anyone in the SEC just in terms of the dynamics of it the versatility of all these different guys um, you, you know you can just go down the line with DeAndre Burnett obviously Terrence Davis someone I've talked about a ton now and, and funny enough you know we're doing the the SEC preseason player of the year poll for for, for our readers over uh, on com, and Terrence Davis right now is up to almost 200 votes. Now, obviously, that's because the Ole Miss fans have jumped on that, which is great. I love that interaction. I love just fans coming in supporting their player. So he could wind up being, you know, the Southeast Hoops Preseason Reader Award, uh, you know, winner for the SEC Preseason Player of the Year. So we'll see how it all unfolds. Still a month to go on the voting on that. Uh, but, you know, Terrence Davis, another guy who's going to have a huge season, Bree- Bree and Tyree. Andy Kennedy talked about him all offseason, just loves what he's done this summer and, and kind of developing his game, thinks he's going to be a breakout player. And then, you know, there's a guy in, in L. Crawford who was very successful at Memphis, uh, did very well there. How's he going to fit in? And then don't forget about Devontae Shuler, the freshman as well, uh, who's going to come in and probably make an impact at some point. So can he get up above these other guys who are going to be in front of him? But he's still a very talented player. And so you put that backcourt there. Now, just like we did with Georgia, where we would have said, okay, here are the questions in the in the backcourt with Georgia, here are the questions in the frontcourt with Ole Miss. It's the same sort of similar situation where you lose Frazier at Georgia, Ole Miss, you lose Sebastian Saiz, and that's where, you know, that's where the question marks come in. Ole Miss is going to be a team that probably plays at a higher tempo, obviously, given because their strengths are their guards. And, you know, they may play small like a lot of these SEC teams will maybe at times this year because, you know, there's not a lot of dominant, true, big man, you know, traditional post-player types in the SEC this year. Um, And so I think when we kind of look around at the league and see how everyone's going to play, there's definitely a possibility where you see a lot of teams play small and put a lot of guys out on the perimeter, you know, just because we're seeing basketball in general move to that area anyways. Uh, And especially, you know, you have to play to your strengths. And a lot of these teams guard play is a very big strength for a lot of these different SEC teams this season. And so that's the question of where you know new guys for the Rebels are going to be able to step in. Uh, we talked about Dominic Olenichak, uh, another guy in Bruce Stevens, who I know is someone that Andy Kennedy's very high on, the, the JUCO guy coming in. Uh, so there's a lot of question marks there. However, like I said, I just don't think that Ole Miss is probably that team we're going to see that low. Uh, because I don't know, I just get a sneaky suspicion that this is a kind of team I think, uh, and they're gonna have to defend. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Ole Miss last year had some spots where they just simply didn't defend as well as they should have, and that cost them some games. And we saw that happen, you know, on, on different different occasions. I mean, we think back to that that game against MTSU early in the year where they were, you know, just getting shellacked at home at halftime, almost down thirty. And then, you know, there were just kind of points last year where you said, okay, this team has to definitely play a bit more, you know, kind of into it on the defensive end rather than just the offensive end. Uh, but they have a lot of athleticism, and, you know, we talked about it, just just having the speed that they're going to be able to go to. And another different sort of intriguing aspect on Ole Miss, they actually put this out on their Twitter account today, uh, you know, I didn't realize this, and Ole Miss just one of just two teams in the SEC and 14 programs in the entire nation – to have 11 straight winning seasons, and that goes back to what I've continued to say in that given sort of what the state of basketball has been there in the past, given the entire landscape, I think Andy Kennedy's done a great job there. Still doesn't get enough credit. Um, You know, I know what the demands are. I know everyone wants their team to make the Sweet 16 year in and year out, but I'm of the opinion he's done a very, very good job there. And I I just have that feeling that this year could be one of those years where we see Ole Miss really slide up. Um, you know, and stay kind of where they've been because very few times since he's been there have they finished low in the SEC. And I just don't know that this is a year because I think talent-wise uh, with those guards, they have a lot of good players on that team. And so I would be surprised if Ole Miss finished that low at 12. And like I said earlier, I would be surprised probably if Georgia finished that high at three. Uh, but be sure to go out and check out Lindy's. Always do, always do great work there. Um, I just love all these preseason magazines because you you always kind of pick up different tidbits on different stuff. You know, obviously I'm someone that's studying stuff all the time, but you still pick up stuff from all these different magazines and the Blue Ribbon Yearbook and stuff as well. Uh, So it's a lot of fun to put those down on your note sheets and have that at your disposal. So there is a quick little episode for today. Like I said, just been busy, uh, you know, moving and that kind of stuff, getting the written stuff up on the website. Be sure to continue to head over. The Southeast Hoops.com. All our player previews are going up. We have a lot more stuff on the way. Uh, now that I'm getting settled in here, uh, a lot more stuff coming on the written side as well, as well as like I've continued to say, our new writers and we're adding more writers as we go. Uh, so there will be a lot more more stuff coming your way. And be sure if you haven't already mentioned it earlier, vote in the SEC preseason Player of the Year poll. Other uh, polls coming as well here in the near future. Uh, and like I mentioned, go out, buy these preseason magazines, send me your thoughts. Uh, let me know who you think's ranked too high, who's ranked too low. And like I said, we will go into this a bit more in depth uh, as we get closer to the start of the season. Uh, we'll talk about sort of all of these preseason rankings a bit more. So uh, thanks as always for listening. Be sure to go over to iTunes, search for Southeast Hoops. You can subscribe to the podcast on there. And then that way you don't miss any of these episodes and more interviews, like I said, coming with SEC coaches. Uh, Go back, listen to the backlog if you haven't already. i talked to a lot of SEC coaches already this offseason. More on the way, so be sure you're subscribed so you don't miss any of those interviews. Thanks as always for listening, and I will talk to you guys next time.